He became blind. He lost his eyesight while still an infant. He actually lost his eyesight. He couldn't see anymore. His mum became extremely, as they say, pareshan. What a beautiful word that is, right? We should bring it into English. Became very, very, very perturbed about his condition that he had become blind. She started making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What a dua she made. What a dua she made. This is to empower the mothers here, okay? Our mothers here, you're, you are behind every great man out there. You better be, right? There should be a woman behind every man because Allah has placed a woman behind every great man. In fact, Isa salam has a mother behind him and not a father. That's amazing. If that's a rule of law, right? It's only Adam salam who was uh, totally unique in that sense. But mothers, she made such a dua, such a dua that she sees Ibrahim salam in her dream. So one day she's making dua and then she falls asleep and then she sees Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us based on our efforts. She sees the dream of Ibrahim salam who's saying to her that your dua Allah has accepted, your son has regained his sight. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, hamdun kathirun, tayyibun, mubarakan fih, mubarakan alayhi kama yuhibu rabbuna wa yarda, jalla jalaluhu amma nawaruh, wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidil Habibil Mustafa sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa sallama tasliman kathirun ila yawmiddin. Amma ba'd. Qala Allahu ta'ala fi al-Qur'an al-Majidi wa al-Furqan al-Hamid, innama yataqabbalu Allahu min al-Muttaqeen. وقال تعالى هل يستوي الذين يعلمون والذين لا يعلمون إنما يتذكر أولو الألباب صدق الله العظيم My dear brothers, dear sisters, dear ulama, dear graduating class, dear students and dear friends We are here on a very uh, absolutely auspicious occasion Is this the first Khatm Bukhari for Milton Keynes? Khatm Bukhari has reached Milton Keynes, the new city or the new style city of England. That means it's reached everywhere. Alhamdulillah, in London, uh, within about 10 miles, within about, uh, I would say, 7 miles, there's about 15 Alim and Alima classes. And now, mashallah, it's even reached Milton Keynes, and that we can only be thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for. There are places uh, in Europe. Uh, a country where Muslims have been there for about 300 years 20 to 25 percent of the population is Muslim stretching back to 300 years compared to about 60 or 70 years of Muslim uh, presence in mass in England although Muslims have been here much longer but in terms of big communities about 60 to 70 years however in that country there's only three halfies in the whole in the whole country and for so many years, as far as history goes, they can't remember when the last time that the whole taraweeh was done with full Qur'an. And here, alhamdulillah, just in my local area in Clapton in uh, London, uh, there are about a thousand people who have memorized the Qur'an quite easily. So that is an absolute blessing. And this is a Khatm Bukhari. And what does this represent? This represents preservation of the faith despite all odds. Um, it's, uh, it's challenging especially nowadays uh, to become and remain a good Muslim because there's confusion about everything. There's new ideas, new ideologies, day by day. I mean, 
some, uh, some aspects like uh, things that were absolutely fixed, axiomatic, no difference of opinion for literally all of the history of humanity is now being opened up to discussion and confusion. So how many genders are there? A hundred or more? And it's getting that confusing and you know my heart actually goes out to people who are confused really because it's not easy to be in that situation for whatever reason however they reach that situation whatever the cause of that situation is it's not the discussion for today but today everything is being confused even as to basically what a human being is or what gender they are and and so on it's never had that kind of question before so in all of this to have some kind of light and some sanity and some direction is very very important the good thing about the islamic faith is obviously that it has fixed ideas and for the most part the majority of Muslims they take on these fixed ideas because those fixed ideas do, do not change we have obviously a dynamic side of Islam Islam is very dynamic and there's a number of things that do change with time but there are fixed ideas that do not change otherwise that will cause uh, absolute chaos as it has today right in terms of uh, humanity itself and how we're supposed to live in this world so this is usually called a Khatam Bukhari and while it's the culmination of this Alim course, this Alimiya course where uh, been, uh, the men and women are usually taught for six or seven years to understand the main aspects of their religion, uh, main sciences, the Hadith and Tafsir and Fiqh and uh, Aqidah and so on. However, for some reason out of everything Right, rather than a juz of the Quran or Qira'a or Aqidah or history or something else, Sahih al-Bukhari suddenly gets chosen. A book by a scholar that lived about 1200 years ago or something like that. That gets chosen, that gets splashed uh, over you know, these posters throughout the country that there's going to be a khatam of Bukhari. And that's why this is quite interesting that they could have, we could have chosen anything. We could have chosen a Qira'a completion. We could have chosen a completion of the Qur'an, and, and they do. We do have Qur'an completions as well. But for some reason, Bukhari, Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah. So let, let's just try to understand who he is. Why are we here today? Why does this name Bukhari become so important and so celebrated? So firstly, Imam Bukhari, interestingly, is not from Arab origin. He's most likely of Persian origin, Farsi speaking. Right? from those lands where there were both Turkic and Persian influences. So he is from Bukhara. Bukhara is uh, currently in present day uh, Uzbekistan. I had the opportunity of visiting Bukhara about three years ago. I think it was, uh, mashallah, in the company of Mufti Taqi Uthmani, Damat Barakatuhum, and sitting there in the masjid and the madrasa next to it, right, where Imam Bukhari taught, it's called the Masjid Kalam. Amazing place. Alhamdulillah, they've still preserved it. However, when I asked if anybody there had an ijazah, had a direct chain from teacher to teacher to teacher to teacher up to Imam Bukhari about 11, 1200 years ago, unfortunately, there was nobody who had that connection because of what they suffered for 80 years. In the 1900s, what they suffered for 80 years, total wipeout. And literally uh, a... Uh, a campaign to make everybody lose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, lose Islam and everything. How religion was, uh, how religion survived is amazing. The people have this amazing love for Islam in that country, even though they've just come out of that communism and almost atheism, you could say. 
Now Imam Bukhari عليه, was not the only scholar who studied in Bukhara. There were thousands of students and ulama who taught in all of those areas. They became some really important areas for the dissemination of Islam during those centuries. Imam Bukhari just shone from among the rest. He wasn't just the one scholar that studied from there and he became the most famous one. You go several hours down the line and there's Tirmidh, right, which we visited as well, where Imam Tirmidhi is from. You carry on, you go into Persia and that's where Imam Muslim uh, was from. So that whole area, Khurasan area, Persian speaking, Turkic background, right? So Imam Muslim could most likely was Persian, but he could have been of Turkic origin instead. It looks like one of his grand, uh, gr his ancestors, they were actually fire worshippers, uh, uh, Zoroastrians or Magians. Then eventually they embraced Islam. Imam Bukhari's father was also a Hadith scholar. Not obviously as well known. Ismail, his name is Muhammad ibn Ismail. Ismail is not as well known as his son later become uh, a lot more well known than him. In fact, uh, his father's hardly ever known except Muhammad ibn Ismail in that sense. But uh, Imam Bukhari is born in Shawwal, 192 Hijri. So that's uh, around when just after Imam Muhammad Shaybani passes away. Imam, Bukhari, Imam Shafi is still alive. Imam Shafi passes away just after 200. So this is uh, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal's time, right? This is when Imam Bukhari is born and uh, he's born just after Salatul Jumu'ah. His father dies at a very young age. While he's still an infant, it seems his father passes away and his mom does this amazing job of bringing up this Imam who 11, 1200 years later in Milton Keynes, we are Mashallah, celebrating our conference. I mean, where would his mom have ever imagined that? She probably never even heard about Milton Keynes because it did not exist then. Right? Londinium probably did, but Milton Keynes didn't. Right? How old is Milton Keynes? Huh? 60 years. Right. I'm not trying to put you down. I mean, I'm just, I'm just trying to say that uh, it's an amazing, right? You know, where would you think that in a brand new city, you know, Imam Bukhari will be imagined. Imam, uh, his mother would never have imagined it. Would never have imagined it, right? And eventually he passed away 62 years or so later. The night of Eid al-Fitr, so the night before Eid al-Fitr, that's when he passed away. He's then buried on the day of Eid after Dhuhr prayer in a place called Khartang. That's outside of Samarkand. That's the place where they've made a massive uh, complex now and people can visit it. You can go to and visit his tomb. We, were, we went and completed the last hadith or so uh, of, uh, of his book down there with Mufti Taki Usmani, Mufti Shabbir Saab and others were there as well. Now, he shows promise from a young age and this is really what's interesting. We've got a lot of young talented kids that do very well at Fortnite and other games. Right from a young age at eight and nine years old, and they're winning prizes and awards. This is exactly what Imam Bukhari was doing, mashallah. From a young age, he just would memorize everything. So he used to like to go and actually, actually, what one interesting thing I want to mention before I carry on, he became blind. He lost his eyesight while still an infant. He actually lost his eyesight. He couldn't see anymore. His mum became extremely, as they say, parishan. What a beautiful word that is. Right? We should bring it into English became very, very, very perturbed about his condition that he had become blind. She started making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What a dua she made, what a dua she made. This is to empower the mothers here, okay? Our mothers here, you're, you are behind every great man out there. You better be, right? There should be a woman behind every man because Allah has placed a woman behind every great man. In fact, Isa alayhi salam has a 
mother behind him and not a father. That's amazing. If that's a rule of law, right? It's only Adam السلام, who was uh, totally unique in that sense. But mothers, she made such a dua, such a dua that she sees Ibrahim السلام, in her dream. So one day she's making dua and then she falls asleep and then she sees Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us based on our efforts. She sees the dream of Ibrahim السلام, who's saying to her that your dua Allah has accepted, your son has regained his sight. Obviously, how do you test the child uh, to find out he got his sight back? But yes, when she tests him, he gets his sight back. And what a sight he gets back. Later on, when he is going to write his Tariq Al-Kabir, his major history book, in Medina Munawwara, he wrote it by moonlight. He wrote it by moonlight. Because, you know, they didn't, we didn't used to have these chandeliers then, right? As we sit here in Milton Keynes, you don't have those kind of chandeliers back then in those days. So, from a young age, he's very interested in things like football and Fortnite and things like that, which our children are interested in. He had a different Fortnite, a different game, a different football. What he used to do is he, instead of all of these things, right? I mean, it's very comparable, I guess, for our children. I mean, the way, the way our children are nowadays, right? He used to go and attend the hadith gatherings of the scholars. That's what he used to do. SubhanAllah, that's what he used to do, right? Instead of getting on his PlayStation or whatever it is, that's what he used to do. And he used to just memorize everything. He looks like he had a very good memory. He used to just memorize everything. One day, he's sitting in a gathering of this muhaddith whose name is Imam Dakhili. And Imam Dakhili, I mean, look, you can make mistakes, right? People make mistakes. So Imam Dakhili once is transmitting a hadith. And when we transmit hadith, as you've heard the Imam uh, Muslim's hadith, uh, the last hadith being transmitted, you'll hear Imam Bukhari's hadith being transmitted. There's going to be a chain of narration from the teacher his teacher, his teacher, his teacher, all the way up to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, to the to the author, and then to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So in that, Imam Dakhili, he's, he must have said, Sufyan, Imam Sufyan transmits from Abu Zubair, who transmits from Ibrahim. Imam Bukhari, little kid, I'll tell you how old he was later. He's sitting in a corner, and suddenly he just says, Abu Zubair, the second person he mentioned, does not transmit directly from Ibrahim. Imam Dakhili is taken aback. He looks, he ignores him first. He doesn't, no, he doesn't pay much attention. He's a little kid. Maybe he's just saying something. Maybe, you know, children like to speak out. Maybe he's just speaking out. But Imam Bukhari, so Imam Bukhari at that young age is not an Imam yet. He with a lot of confidence, he says, if you've got a source to check from your records or your writing, go and check it. Look at the confidence, right? So Imam Dakhili sees seriousness and confidence. So he says, okay, I'll go and check it. Stops, goes to inside his house, checks his notes, and sure enough, it was incorrect. So then he comes back and he says to Imam Bukhari to test him now. So who does he relate from? Who's missing? Who have I missed? He said, it's Abu Zubair from Adi. Adi is in between, that's who you missed. From Ibrahim. Now, that story went viral. Okay, no Twitter or whatever, but it went viral. After that, as Imam Bukhari little kid used to go and attend all of these gatherings, hadith gatherings, where hadith was transmitted. There used to be lots of hadith gatherings in those days, transmission of hadith, because hadith transmission was taking place at that time. All the other muhaddithin, whenever they would see him in the gathering, they would be careful. Because it was formidable, right? So his, that's his firm first story of fame. 
A lot of our kids want to be famous nowadays. They want to shoot a star into the sky before it's their time, a satellite, so that they can become a star. This is how you become a, an absolute star, right? Now, when he was later asked, how old were you when that happened? He said he was 11 years old. Literally put us to shame. He was 11 years old. We have a lot of talented, phenomenal children, but they're wasted. They're absolutely wasted in the wrong things. And it's so difficult even if parents want them to do something. There's just so much competition out there to do other things that, subhanAllah, you know, may Allah preserve our children. According to another great muhaddith, Imam Qastallani, who is originally from Andalusia, from, from Spain, but then he's, he's actually was in Egypt and he's buried there next to Imam Aini behind Azhar. I visited his grave as well. Um, he says that, he relates that Imam Bukhari had memorized about 70,000 hadith in his Childhood. 70,000. Sounds mind-boggling, but it's absolutely possible. It's absolutely possible. Right? I've seen a number of children who know a lot of stuff. There's one kid that has memorized the Quran. He's memorized the whole of Al-Hizb Al-Azam. He's memorized the whole of Qasida Burda and multiple other things. If you give them the direction and they got the mind for it, they can do it. It's not impossible. We still, Allah still creates wonderful minds. Right? Still creates wonderful minds. One of, uh, you know, one of the other, uh, as, they, as they carried on, one of the other younger people that he used to attend gatherings with in different places, they, they used to write lessons, they used to write the notes, and Imam Bukhari used to just sit there. So they used to complain to him, like, what's your problem? You just come, you just sit there, that's bad adab, or whatever they used to say to him. One day, he responded, he said, okay, how many hadith have you got down? Have you joined down? So one of them said, I've got 15,000 narrations. Imam Bukhari just started relating by heart, stopped at 200. And they're like, wow, they actually corrected those 200 hadith mistakes they had in their writing, they corrected from him. Absolutely phenomenal memory. Now, he then took a six-year tour. He left, he left Bukhara and went to Makkah Mukarramah for Hajj with his mum and his brother. After Hajj, he sent them home and he carried on uh, to study and take hadith. Uh, he went to Medina Munawwara and there he wrote, a hadith, uh, he wrote a book at the age of 18. This was in 212 Hijri. He wrote a, a, a book called Qadaya As-Sahaba wa Tabi'een. Qadaya As-Sahaba wa Tabi'een. Then after that, sometime later, he wrote his At-Tariq Al-Kabir. At-Tariq Al-Kabir is his major history work, which in the earlier years, after his, he died as well, used to be more well known than his Sahih al-Bukhari that we're celebrating, you know, today. Imam Tahawi is just after him. Imam Tahawi does not seem to quote the Sahih al-Bukhari, but does quote his Tariq. So one scholar who's doing a, uh, who did research on him says that it looks like the Tariq al-Kabir was more well known. Later, this collection of hadith became more well known later, and not many people even know that his Tariq al-Kabir anymore. So it's kind of interesting. Right, how some things become accepted after your death. So he wrote that. So six years he stayed out. He went to Basra. These were the bustling places of knowledge. Basra, Kufa, Baghdad. He ultimately had taken hadith. He went to numerous. Because you see, the muhaddithin, hadith scholars and hadith transmitters and narrators had spread out through the Muslim world in different areas. And they all had their own unique collection of hadith that others didn't have with their own unique chains. Imam Bukhari literally traveled around 
to over a thousand scholars to take from them in the different cities. Ultimately, he had taken from about a thousand and sixty narrators of hadith directly from them. From over a thousand teachers, you could say. Maybe one or two hadith, five hadith, twenty hadith, maybe a hundred, depending on the scholar and what he had. Then he compiled his book. So when he went into Kufa, his prominence and his fame had preceded him there. So they decided to test him. The, uh, the, the Baghdad was the center of the uh, caliphate, uh, was the center of, uh, uh, actually the center of knowledge. Eventually at that time, uh, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal rahimahullah was there and multiple other scholars were there. And they heard of this guy from Khurasan. Khurasan is that area which is Iran and parts of Mawara'un uh, Nahr, which is the, near the Oxus River, Afghanistan, Iran, and, and further north. So they had heard about this scholar and they tested him. So they set up 10 muhaddithin, 10 hadith masters. Each of these hadith scholars had, pre had to present 10 hadith and they collaborated. It was a bit of a conspiracy, right? A plot that they would have to transmit 10 hadith incorrectly as though they were doing it correctly and Imam Bukhari was going to listen and uh, comment on it so the first person st started he related his 10 hadith incorrectly messing it all up messing up the transmitters from him to the, pro uh, to the, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam changing the names and so on so at the end of that they asked him what do you think of these he says I don't know those so now the general people thought he doesn't know anything because he doesn't know these hadith, they thought they were correct hadith, but the experts knew that this guy was onto something. Because he says, I don't know these hadith. Second muhaddith, 10 hadith, same. A hundred narrations. After that, he called the first person, the first muhaddith, and he said, You transmitted your 10 like this. And he revised, repeated to him exactly the wrong way he had transmitted. He said, But they were all wrong, this is how they should be. And then he mentioned the correct one. Same with every single one. You know, one is he could have just corrected them, but he actually memorized the incorrect version and corrected them as well. It's just amazing. It's just absolutely amazing. All right? You know, you know, today you get these little videos that come on WhatsApp about this Hafiz of the Quran, little kid, eight years old, who can tell you the beginning of each page, you know, one after the other, the last word, this, that, and the other. The people, we have these kind of people, but nobody uses them in the right way. Right? The school takes over with lots of other stuff. Right, that we they just the parents want them to have degrees and you know uh, big fame and in the wrong, so you know you're not going to get that. But otherwise, we got children like this today. He's not an anomaly. Well, he's an anomaly in a sense, but he's not. You know, he's not, he's not un, uh, 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 totally nobody else like him. I mean, it can't be. You know, there's humans like him today. But Allah gives him the tawfiq to do that. So. Over the course of this year, while his father had left him a good inheritance, so their family was decently well off, but in order to have your inheritance and then do something with it, you need to start doing business in it. Otherwise, you're going to deplete your, 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 uh, you know, your inheritance, your supplies very soon. He decided that's going to take a lot of my time because business is very engaging and very occupying. He gave it out on Mudarab, he gave it to somebody to uh, do business for him, to share the profit, a profit sharing business. He started studying. Right? Now, when he's traveling around in those days, there's no credit cards. You can't just pull out money with a Starling account or a Monzo account or something wherever you go. And you, know, you can't have people wire you money. You're in a strange land. Where are you going to get money if you get left? So you have to work for it. He's, basically, what he used to do is sometimes he said, I haven't had salan, curry, right? whatever that curry was in those days, for about 40 years probably. 
right? He survived on basics. Sometimes that I've just survived on uh, bread and sugar, right? On leaves, just so that I can carry on. On one occasion, he was on a ship traveling uh, with some other people one place to the next. And he got, there's a guy who became friendly with him. So Imam Bukhari opens up a bit with him and also mentions that he's carrying a, I think it's a thousand dirhams with him. Right, at that time he had a thousand dirhams. That person suddenly makes a scene. He starts saying, hey, I've got my thousand dirhams have been lost. After a, you know, some time he makes a scene. So everybody's going to get checked, right? But who's got a thousand dirhams? Imam Bukhari seizes an opportunity and what he does is that he goes and throws them overboard into the sea. They check his stuff, finds nothing. Nobody's got thousand dirham pouch, you know, so that guy gets in trouble. After they disembark, the person comes to Imam Bukhari and says, I mean, he had the guts to do this, right? He says, where's those thousand dirham you said he had? He said, I threw them overboard. He said, why do you do that for? He said, because I didn't want to lose my honor that I've been trying to build. I don't want to lose my honor for a thousand dirhams. Very, very particular, very cautious, very scru- uh, uh, a lot of scruples, but very particular. There are, I mean, there's, there's no end to praise from him. I don't want to go into a whole list of praise. I mean, I guess he's already found a special place in your heart. And if not, who cares? Because he has it already. We're calling our, we're calling this whole session Bukhari Khatam. All right? That's amazing. He's done. MashaAllah. He's out there enjoying himself in the hereafter. Investments made, reaping the benefits of that. Now, we might not be able to get to achieve that much, but we can get somewhere, right? We can get somewhere. And believe me, among our children, there are phenomenal children, but we are wasting their time. Where our priorities are totally wrong. Our priorities are to the end of this world only. That's all we're worried about. But today, Alhamdulillah, Allah has made it such for the people of England that you can get both. You can be, you can have your degrees from the best universities and also you know, have studied the deen. You just have to have the right priority. And this was a person brought up by a single mother, right? A single mother. Yes, that's a debilitating situation usually, but mashallah, this is a success story, right? For even single mothers, right? So don't think that Allah is not with you. you if you want Allah to be with you, be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam Ahmad and Qutayba ibn Sa'id and multiple others, the comments I have made about Imam Bukhari. For example, Imam, Ahad, uh, Imam Ahmad says that Khurasan, that general area, has not produced anybody the same as Muhammad ibn Ismail al-Bukhari. And when he was leaving Baghdad for the last time, after he'd gone there quite a few times and taken from the scholars, Imam Ahmad said, you're, you're finally leaving, you're abandoning all of this and you're going to go back to Khurasan. You know, what, what he was lamenting, he was, he was lamenting his departure. There's a number of other stories, but uh, we don't have too much time. Ulama say, you know, there's a hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari, which praises somebody, a descendant of the Persians. The Prophet ﷺ had said that if the knowledge was so far away and so far to reach and difficult to reach, uh, essentially saying in literally, he said, the Prophet ﷺ said that if the knowledge was by the, uh, on the Pleiades star, then somebody from the descendants of Salman al-Farisi who will go there to get it. Showing that people are willing, there'll be people Persians, and that could refer to all non-Arabs, right? It's not restricted to Arabs. They would go there to pick this up. The ulama mentioned that this refers to Imam Abu Hanifa first because he is probably the most celebrated of Persian scholars, of Persian origin scholars. 
Probably after him, they say it's Imam Bukhari. Imam Bukhari, right? You could be Bangla, you could be Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshi, you can be whatever you are. You could also become the next Bukhari. In another sense. As long as you get off this whole fortnight and all of this other kind of junk, the football and everything that occupies people, your child can become the next, if not you. All right, somewhere along that line, because the knowledge is not restricted to the Arabs or any one group of people, it moves around. Okay, it used to be in Bukhara at one time, it's gone from there, it's in other places. Okay, so now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all I can do is pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless our students, the first six, five, five graduates out of which. Four are from Milton Keynes and one is from another town, all right? And that's amazing, inshallah, this will continue. This will continue. And your job, our parents, is that you want your, if not yourself, then you want your children to be part of this tradition, okay? And it's easy. I can give you examples, and there's some here as well. I can give you examples of uh, people who've just graduated as alims and mufti. And they are also PhDs from Imperial College, Masters from UCL, top universities in, the, uh, you know, in London. Absolutely possible nowadays. Don't, don't be short-sighted. Allah has absolute ability to give you. If he can return the sight of Imam Bukhari back because this pious mother of his prays to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you think our mothers and fathers here cannot pray for something that is not so impossible, that is not so difficult. Of course they can. Don't underestimate the Qudrat of Allah and your own power of dua. And we ask Allah to accept this gathering, accept all of the teachers and the students, the parents, and all the supporters who have assisted in this regard. Uh, the point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules, and at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam, and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.